the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Soon after healing the centurion's slave, Jesus went to a city called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow, and with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came forward and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, rise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized all of them, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has looked favorably on his people. This word about him spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding country. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise be to thee, O Christ. You may be seated. This morning we're going to do something a little different. We're going to have a very short kids' sermon before the grown-up sermon. So kids, all of you, come forward. Um, Up here, and Nathaniel will will do that for you. I need your help, kids, youngsters, or young at heart. I'm in my fourth childhood. I'd come up if I were being asked to. You may too. I'm going to perform some magic this morning. And make a white rabbit come out of this cap. I have my magic wand. I have my cap. It's empty, you can tell. And so, hocus pocus, hat in hand. Make a white rabbit come out if you can. What if I said the words wrong? Did anything come out? No. Hocus pocus, hat in my hand. Make a white rabbit come out if you can. What is that? Is that a rabbit? Yeah. Yep. Did I perform magic? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. You're right. It takes a magician to do that. And even then, it's not really magic. Because they'd use a different kind of a hat and sort of sleight of hand and they'd get your, your mind occupied on one thing and they'd do something else that you couldn't see and make a white rabbit appear. Not really any kind of magic. It's just trickery, if you will. Even with the very best of magicians. When a magician works, they really don't do what they're saying they're doing, except by trickery. That gets me to our lesson for today. The point I want to make is this. God doesn't do tricks. When God works, it's the real thing. Now, if you were listening to our Old Testament lesson for today, it was about a widow, a woman whose husband had died and she had a son. She was the widow of Zarephath. And God told her to give a prophet water and food. And the problem was there was a famine in the land. So there wasn't much water and very little food. But Elijah came, saw her gathering sticks and asked for water and she went to get it. And he said, oh, by the way, make some bread for me. And she turned around and said, well, water is hard enough with the drought. She didn't say that, but that's what she thought. 
And I have just a little bit of flour left and a little bit of oil. I'm going to go make some bread for me and my son. And that's all we can possibly have because of the drought. We'll eat that and we'll die. And Elijah said, don't worry about it. God's going to take care of it. Yes. Am I an artist? Well, no, but I have that hat. Thank you. It is sort of like an artist's hat. Sometimes I like to think I am, though. Thank you. Oh, where was I? I got off track. Oh, she she went and, and did as the prophet asked her to. Bought him some water, made him some bread. And you know what happened? You know what happened? Her oil and flour lasted for the rest of that drought for three years. It didn't run out. It wasn't used up as God had promised it wouldn't be. So all seemed like it would be well, right? Well, guess what? Her son died. And Elijah said to God, You brought me here to bring this kind of calamity on this woman to take her son away from her? And God told Elijah what to do. So Elijah took the young boy up to his room, breathed into him three times, and the boy revived. And Elijah the prophet took the woman's son to her and gave him back to her alive. And she said, Now I know that God's word is in your mouth and your God is the real God. God didn't do magic. He didn't do tricks. He did the real thing and the right thing. And when God's work works, that's the way it always is. The real thing. And we have to look for that for ourselves. For what really is true and real. Yes. You're right. And it's a trick. But God doesn't do tricks. He does the real thing. Thank you all. Every week we're going to do this. So you all be here next week and come up. So Dan or I can talk to you. And now I can abridge mine, because Nathaniel's done a lot of it. Um, we have to do a little bit of background on the story about Elijah. Um, you may recall, it's one of those great famous stories of the Old Testament. Um, King Ahab marries Jezebel. Um, Jezebel is from Sidon, outside of Israel. And she brings with her the worship of Baal into Israel. She brings 400 prophets of Baal. And Elijah is not real happy with that and goes to King Ahab and says, so which is it? Are you going to worship Yahweh or are you going to worship Baal? And, and he kind of prevaricates and doesn't know what he's going to do. And so Ahab says, okay, I challenge you then to a showdown on Mount Carmel. Get those 400 prophets of Baal up there on the mountain and I'll come up. And so the 400 prophets of Baal make an altar. They slaughter a bull. Um, they pray all day long. Um, and they pray and they dance and nothing happens. They finally begin to cut themselves thinking maybe that will get their God to pay attention to them. Nothing happens. Gets to be evening and, and Elijah says, okay, stand back. Um, what a pro at it. He builds his altar, slaughters his bull. He then says to the group gathered around, now pour some water on this. So they pour a barrel of water on. He says, now do it again. They pour another barrel of water on. He prays. Lightning comes down from heaven, consumes the bull. He says, okay, so there's, there's the showdown. And then 
he slaughters all 400 prophets of Baal. You can imagine that Jezebel was not very happy with him. God says to him, run. And so he runs. He runs into the desert 40 days and meets God on the mountain. And God comes to him in the still small voice and gives him some instructions and then says, go to Zarephath, where I have appointed a widow to feed you. He comes to the gate of Zarephath. We're told that Zarephath belongs to Sidon. So this widow comes from the same place that Queen Jezebel comes from. So she is a devotee of Baal. Elijah comes and says, bring me a little water. Um, Hospitality requires that she do that. So she says, okay, I'll go get you a little water. And then he says, and while you're at it, make me a little bread and bring it. And she says, as the Lord your God lives, um, not my God, your God, I have but a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil. I'm here gathering sticks to prepare it for my son and myself so that we may eat it and die. You can almost hear the whining in her voice. Um, Notice that she doesn't have any seed left. She has a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil. If you're an agrarian community, it takes a great deal of faith to take that last bit of seed come planting time and put it in the ground. Seed that you could grind up and eat for grain, put it in the ground trusting that it will come back. Her situation is so dire She has no seed left. She's already figured out she's not going to live till next harvest time, so there's no point planting seed. I'm going to prepare it for my son and myself so that we may eat it and die. And he says, go and do as you have said, and I promise that the meal in the jug and the oil in the jar won't run out. Imagine, again, an agrarian culture. Say you're somewhere in Africa and you're used to planting. And you get the harvest in, and you calculate how many months there are until the next harvest, and you divide up that harvest into that number of months and think, okay, we can eat this much per month. And now along comes a foreigner and says to you, you know, if you took some of that now and sold it and bought fertilizer, your next harvest would be half again as great as this one, and the next year would be really easy compared to this year. And you think, hmm, I've already calculated how much we can eat, and we're going to be hungry. And this guy's telling me to sell some of that and be a little bit more hungry on the hope of something in the future. That's already dicey enough. And then this prophet says, no, just take what you've got and use it. Bring it a little closer to home. Imagine that you're a suburban congregation. And you have some money in the bank, and you get your year's budget put together, and it's not quite as much as you'd like. And your vestry says, well, let's take some of that money out of the bank and use that. You're taking what is your security and using it. It gets a little scary. Perhaps this woman, the reason that she fulfilled that she did what Elijah asked her, is she said, you know, what difference does it make if I die tomorrow or today? Might as well feed him while we're at it. You may well have heard that um, Crestwood denied our our application, or actually St. Charles Tower's application for the cell tower here. Um, Would have been nice. We we had leased that land to um, St. Charles Tower for 1,000 a month. Boy, that had gone a long way towards um, helping us with our deficit. Eh, It's not going to happen. So what do we do in the meantime? We've just begun um, this past January 
the Advent Health Ministry. Um, we've hired Deb eight hours a week as parish nurse. Um, we've connected up with St. Elizabeth's and St. Justin's. Um, and this thing is taking off. Um, we've got people coming to the Lunch and Learns. We've had uh, 20 people at least at each session. Um, Katie, I'm going to put her on the spot, is back here today handing out needs assessments. She's working with SGSM um, to help us, those three congregations, get together and dis discern what the needs are and how we can meet them. Um, and so that's taking off. It's like the prophet coming and saying, Take this little bit that you've got and use it, and I promise good things will happen. Of course, as Nathaniel said, that wasn't the end of the story. Um, after she had fed him and the, the meal lasted, um, her son died, and she said, What have you done? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance? Even in this calamity now, what are you going to do? Of course, a widow whose son dies, her only son, she's in bad trouble. That was her one security. And... God, and Elijah, even Elijah at this point, wonders, what is God up to? And so he goes out, up into the room and prays, and God raises the son and gives him back to his mother. If we trust God, God has a future for us that we may or may not be able to see. But if we trust God, God has that future for us. Take that little bit of meal, take that little bit of oil, and do what you're asked to do with it. Feed that crazy, wild-eyed stranger that comes into the back door and says, feed me. And God says, the meal won't run out, the jar of oil won't run out, until rain falls upon the earth. It's a scary thing to trust. It's a scary thing to look forward and say, what are we doing here? But I'm convinced that what we're doing here is good. I'm convinced that God is in it and will carry us through. The woman trusted. Jezebel over there in Israel, the queen of Israel, did not trust. This woman, an outsider, a devotee of Baal, outside the boundaries of, of Israel, trusted. And God was with her through all the years of that famine. God will be with us. We need to trust. But I think we're doing exciting things here, and God will not let us run out of what we need to do those things. Amen.